everyone to the Talking Reef Podcast. Questions and comments are always welcome. Please send them to podcast at talkingreef.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.talkingreef.com. Now here's the show. Welcome to another episode of Talking Reef Podcast. This is episode 16. And I know I had mentioned that this was going to be the next section in the filtration show, but unfortunately, Matt, my co-host, had a scheduling conflict at the last minute. So this was kind of something that he wanted to do, so I worked with him a little bit, and what we're going to do is we're going to reschedule that show, the next section in the filtration series, and we're going to record that one very soon and get that out to you. Um, But in the meantime, what I've done is I've put together a question and answer show for you. I've grabbed a couple of the last week's questions from the forums and a couple other items, I think mostly from the forums, that I've got together. And I put together a quick little question and answer show for you. And one other thing I wanted to just remind everybody of is we have the new voicemail uh, up and running. So if you've got any questions that you'd like to call in and leave on the voicemail, I can take that audio and insert it into the show. And you can be heard on the Talking Reef podcast. The Phone number for that voicemail is area code 586-486-3357. And that would be the number that spells absolutely nothing. Had a hard time coming up with a creative number, so uh, this is basically what I ended up with. So without further ado, let's move right on to question number one. And as I mentioned, this first question comes from the TalkingReef.com forums. Question reads, I just read an article that's that says if you stay under ultraviolet or UV lights for a considerable amount of time you are risking skin cancer. I just converted from a fresh water to a salt water tank and use UV lights as night lights on my tank for about six hours. Is that harmful to coral and fish or does it only affect humans? I do not recall any problems when I had fresh water but maybe I'm unaware of the UV dangers. And this was sent in by, I uh, didn't leave a, a, a real name, but the screen name on the forums was Biju708, B-I-J-U-708. So to start off answering this question, UV light in excess is hazardous to any living organism, um, whether it's the sun or whether it's from specific UV lights. Now, one of the first questions that I had for this was exactly what is the UV light that you're using? Uh, Normal true UV lights like you would use in a UV sterilizer or something like that would not be set up and used for aquarium lighting. Now, that said, what it probably could be is maybe something like a black light or something along that nature. And if it's something like a black light that does have a little bit uh, in excess of in the UV spectrum, I don't think you're going to have major problems with it. But that being said, here's my comments with that. Uh, UV light is hazardous to fish, coral, and people. Um, just about any, you know, any type of the real strong lights, specifically the metal halide lights and the VHO lights, uh, are going to put out a considerable amount of, of UV radiation. And that is going to be harmful to everything in your tank and the people around your tank. Now, the, as mentioned, the sun do, does also give off an extreme amount of UV radiation, and it's usually a lot more than what any of the inhabitants uh, the coral or fish can handle. The catch is they're usually 
separated from that and filter, that's usually filtered out by a large amount of water, whether it's um, 5, 10, 15, 20 meters of water between the actual organism and the surface of the water, that water does do a very good job of filtering out the dangerous UV and puts it into a level that's, that's actually useful by the, by the organism. So you don't have that much water separating your lights and your inhabitants in a fish tank. So what you want to do is make sure that you have some kind of UV shield that is placed below or co you know covering your lights. And this actually will serve two purposes. The first one is it's going to help shield the UV rays uh, from both uh, people and from the inhabitants of your tank. And the next thing that's going to happen is it's going to help protect the tank in case uh, a bulb shatters or breaks. Now, with the VH, VHO bulbs or the fluorescent bulbs, this is, usually isn't too much of an issue. Uh, but it can be an issue when you're working with the metal halide bulbs because they get extremely, extremely hot. And on some occasions, they have been known to pop in, you know, in their fixtures. So, now as far as UV shielding, most of the hoods or you know pre-assembled hoods or light fixtures will come with some kind of shielding on them. Now if you have some kind of retro kit or you're dealing with bare bulbs and you need to put something in there, what you can do is actually use a certain type of plexiglass or acrylic uh, and, and kind of make your own shield. Now most of the acrylic or the plexiglass that you get is not going to be efficient to shield UV rays and it can also filter out some of the useful spectrum from from your lights so now I, I don't have concrete evidence on this but from uh, a couple books and some sites that I've read um, what I found is there's a type of plexiglass called UG4 uh, that is useful in allowing the beneficial radiation or light through the plexiglass while block while blocking enough of the UV to you know keep everything in the tank safe so uh, that's something that you might want to do there is look at getting some of the UG4 plexiglass and using that as a shield and the last point I wanted to make is I, I have heard of some people using the black lights in there uh, like I said I'm making the assumption that that's what you're using if you're using true UV bulbs, then I, I would recommend that you don't use those. And for your night lights, the best thing to use uh, is standard moonlights. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can you can get moonlights and set up moonlights. Basically, all they are is blue LEDs. You can buy them in strips or as individual bulbs uh, from various uh, local fish stores and online retailers. They are very cheap. Uh, you could probably get enough for your entire tank for probably less than twenty twenty five dollars they're they're very cheap and they do a good job lighting up the tank at night so you can see and they don't produce um, any type of harmful u v radiation that's going to be hazardous to any of your inhabitants so uh, just a recap to that, uh, definitely do not use anything that's strong in UV. If it's a true UV bulb, make sure you don't use that. Um, I've heard mixed reviews on black light bulbs, so uh, switch to moonlights. And for, every, for all of your lights, I would recommend using some kind of plexiglass shield. Um, and as mentioned, the UV, UG4 plexiglass 
as uh, it has been mentioned that that is a proper shielding that can be used. So moving on to the second question here. This question comes in from John, uh, again from the Talking Reef uh, forums. And I'd like to thank John. John has been with us for a while and has been a, a great contributor to the show. And here's another one of uh, John's questions. Uh, he writes in to say, On my 30-gallon tank, uh, the rocks and the walls have a lot of coralline growth. But in my 12-gallon tank, I really don't see any on the rocks or the walls. My 12-gallon tank is older than the other two. And all of the parameters in the 12-gallon tank are normal. My livestock is healthy and doing well. What do you think that is? Or why do you think that is? Thanks, John. Well, coralline usually comes from somewhere. And usually what happens is you have live rock that has some coralline on it. And then what you can do is promote the growth of the existing coralline, causing it to spread around to the rest of your tank. Now, in the event that you don't have any coralline in your tank, one of the best things or easiest things that you can do is either take a piece of rock from a tank that does have coralline growth on it and just transplant it into the tank that doesn't have any coralline in the tank. So you can do a rock swap or you can just take one of the rocks out put it in the other tank. Now what you have is you have something to work with and you can cause it to spread. One of the other things that you can do is in your tank that has coralline growth on the walls is you can go in and scrape that off one of the best ways to scrape off coralline is using something like a, uh, a credit card, something that won't scratch your tank but is rigid enough and has a, a sharp enough edge to break that off. And if you can collect the stuff that you scraped off and you can actually put that into the other tank. And, you know, I would set it on the rock somewhere where it can continue to grow. If you do that with either the rocks or by scraping the, the coralline off one of the walls, you have to be careful because coralline is very sensitive to being out of water and sensitive to air. So try to keep it as wet, make the transfer as quick as possible, or the coralline will actually bleach out and it won't grow. So once you have the coralline from the rock or from the stuff that you scraped off in your large tank, there's it will usually start growing on its own. Uh, you can use some products like Coral Vital to promote the growth of the coralline, uh, but basically you just want to make sure that all your parameters are good, that you have good calcium levels, and, and everything in there uh, is, is right on. But like I said, using something like Coral Vital can actually help promote the growth of the coralline algae in, into the new tank that you're trying to get it to grow in. So, John, I hope that answers, answers your question. Uh, if you have any more comments or questions about that, just let me know. We'll take care of that for you. This next question, again, comes in from the Talking Reef forums. And this is a, a little bit of a long one, so bear with me. Um, this one's from Stephen. And Stephen writes in to say, We've recently purchased a used reef aquarium. We knew it had a few scratches when we bought it, but after cleaning the dust and film from the glass, we discovered that it has many more scratches than we realized on the sides and on the front. Many of the scratches are fine, but there are several that are deeper. How noticeable should these scratches be once the aquarium is fully set up? As we maintain the aquarium, what is the best way to keep the glass clean without creating more scratches? And is there anything else besides rock that could cause the scratches on the glass. Now I'm going to take these uh, basically these three questions one by one. Uh, the first one is how noticeable should the scratches be when the aquarium is fully set up? Now honestly the 
minor or the kind of medium type scratches will totally disappear when uh, the fine scratches when you fill the tank up with water. And for the largest scratches, those will be noticeable when you do fill the tank up with water. Now, with that being said, there's a couple, there's a little bit of a caveat to this. What's going to happen over time as the tank matures and gets more healthy, uh, and you start getting algae growth on the on the glass in, in the tank, what's going to happen is algae is going to actually start to grow in those cracks. Now, if they're extremely fine cracks, when you clean your glass, you probably will be able to clean them out, and it won't it won't cause too much of a problem. But what will happen is on the medium or the larger scratches, after you clean your glass, that that scratch is going to stick out like a sore thumb because it has uh, algae growth inside inside it. Now, if you use some kind of brush in there, like a toothbrush or some kind of uh, cleaning brush with, with some bristles on it that can get inside there, you can usually clean those out without too much of a problem. Um, but just to let you know, the, that's pretty much what's going to show up. Now, there, there are ways to remove the scratches, um, but when dealing with glass, I don't think that there's any real easy ways to get them out. When you're dealing with acrylic, you can definitely sand them out, and it's not too much of a hassle. Uh, but when dealing with glass, most of your scratches are probably stuck in there. If anybody out there knows of any ways to, um, uh, any good ways and relatively easy ways to remove any scratches from the glass, please let me know and uh, we can pass the information along to Stephen to help him out with those scratches. Now, for the next question, uh, as we maintain our aquarium, what's the best way to keep the glass clean without creating more scratches? Well, the best thing to do is to get a good glass cleaner. Uh, personally, I like the uh, glass cleaner. It's called a mag float. Uh, it's got uh, it's basically two pieces: one that goes inside the tank, the other that goes on the outside of the tank, and they're basically held together uh, using magnets. So on the outside of the tank, you basically move the outside piece along the glass, and that will move the inside piece. The outside piece is on the inside, it's covered with a, a nice soft felt. And for the piece that goes in the water to clean the glass, it actually has um, a pad on there that uh, that cleans. And to relate it to something, I would relate it to the hard part of like Velcro. You know, you have the soft part and the hard part, the rough part. I would say it's something like the rough part of Velcro. Um, probably a little bit rougher than that, a little more rigid. Uh, but it will clean the inside of the tank without scratching the glass. Now there, just so everybody knows, there are two different types of mag floats. There are the kind for glass and the kind for acrylic. Um, to be on the safe side, the acrylic kind are probably softer and designed not to scratch the acrylic. So you could probably get the acrylic for either the glass or for the uh, acrylic tanks and it'll probably be fine. Now they also have those glass cleaners with the razor blades in them and they they work uh, but personally I probably wouldn't recommend them because they do have a tendency to scratch the glass sometimes. <clears throat> there are many different types of uh, glass cleaners out there that you can use but basically what you're looking for is something that uh, is magnetic so you have an inside and an outside and has a good uh, abrasive surface on the inside of the tank but something that's not going to scratch the heck out of the glass. Uh, 
one of the nice things about the mag float is if you move the outside too quick or if you pull it away and separate it, the inside piece will actually float to the top of the water instead of falling to the bottom. So um, it, that's nice because if you drop it, you don't, it doesn't, you don't have to reach your hand all the way down to the tank to get the other piece back out. And for the last part of Stephen's question here, uh, is there anything else besides rock that can cause scratches on the glass? And unfortunately, the answer is yes. Uh, there are a lot of different things that could scratch the glass. Now, like I said, you want to be careful of putting in the, anything that's abrasive, especially anything metal uh, that would rub up against there. Rock is the main cause of the scratch, uh, but what I found is if you using some kind of inside, something to clean the glass, uh, something like the mag float or something similar to that, like I said, it has a kind of an abrasive surface on it. And what can happen is if you get some of the substrate, whether it's sand or whatever in there, caught in that abrasive and rub it across the glass, that can cause scratches in the glass. Now, one of the things to remember is if you are one of the people that used true crushed coral, uh, agronite, as your substrate, you probably won't have a problem with this. Now, if you are one of the people like me that try, you know, cut a little bit of a corner to try to save a lot of money, and used uh, play sand or something like that, then this is something that you have to be careful of. One of the basic concepts here uh, is that in order for something to scratch something else, it has to have a hardness level that is greater than the sub the, the object is trying to scratch. Now the coralline, uh, not the coralline. I'm sorry. The 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 substrate, the agronite, is usually going to be made of a soft calcium carbonate, and it's usually not going to be enough to scratch it. Now sand, on the other hand, as we know, glass is made from sand, and it has a hardness that's the same or more than the glass itself, which means that it will actually scratch it. So you definitely need to be careful if you're using sand, uh, play sand in there. Now, again, the, the South Down sand or Old Castle or whatever it's called now is a calcium carbonate-based sand, so that probably you probably won't have any problems with that. But if you're using any, type of, any other type of play sand, then you definitely want to watch out because you could have problems with this. So, Stephen, I hope that answers the questions that you had. Uh, basically, uh, the scratches that are there, the bad ones are probably going to show up. The minor ones probably won't. Uh, you want to make sure that you have some kind of way to keep the larger ones clean from algae growth inside the tank. Um, you want to make sure you get something good to clean the inside of the glass. Like I said, what I use is a mag float. There are a lot of different things out there that are very, very similar. So just make sure you get something that's relatively high quality so it doesn't scratch the heck out of the, out of the glass for you. And uh, finally, make sure you stay away from, uh, or be careful when you have a, a play sand type substrate um, or anything else. I mean, basically the rest here is common sense. If you're sticking something metal in there that has a sharp edge, it's going to run a chance of scratching the inside of the glass. Okay, so moving on to the fourth question. This question actually came in f at, at a different place. It, 
I attempted to get formal permission to use this question in the show. Unfortunately, I haven't got a response back yet, but it's a good topic and something I wanted to talk about. Uh, since I didn't get a response back, I don't want to mention uh, the person's name or uh, where it was from, just because I'm not very comfortable doing that at this point. Um, but basically, what this question was, was regarding uh, having a lid on your tank. Um, what this person was doing was replacing uh, their uh, like a light strip with a new one, but the new one required that this person remove the glass lid that's on the tank. And uh, this person was wondering if it's okay to do this and not have a glass lid over the tank. Now, personally, uh, what I, how I see it is it's absolutely okay to not have a glass lid on the tank. In fact, it's absolutely recommended not to have a glass lid on the tank. Uh, in fact, you really shouldn't have any type of solid lid on the tank. The main purpose of having the glass lid, or, a, or any type of lid in this case, would be to keep uh, your st stuff in your tank in your tank to keep fish from carpet diving or anything like that or you know depending on the different types of stuff you have you may have stuff that can escape or crawl out uh, but basically if you're in the situation where you need to put some kind of cover over your tank what you want to do is use something like egg crate or some kind of homemade screen material something that is not solid and the reason for this is in a saltwater tank, most of your gas exchange, the oxygen and nitrogen, stuff like that released from the tank and absorbed into the water in the tank, actually happens at the surface of the water. That's why, uh, referencing back to the sections about power heads, it's important to keep uh, the power heads at a point, at least one or two of them, where they're generating a lot of surface water movement to keep the surface moving. And what this actually does is it allows the proper gas exchange from the surface of the water. Now if you have a glass lid or a solid lid over the top of the tank, what it's going to do is it's going to prevent uh, a proper gas exchange. It's also going to help with evaporation, but again, it's going to prevent the, the gas exchange that you need in there. And uh, if you don't have a full setup with an overflow and a sump and a return line and stuff like that, what, what it can do is it can cause low oxygen levels in the tank. Now, even with an overflow and stuff like that, I still don't recommend using a glass lid. <clears throat> what you should do, like I mentioned, is um, one of the best things that I've seen and easiest to do is you can go to the hardware store and you get this egg crate. Basically, what it is is if you if you know what I'm talking about in a, a basement with a drop ceiling or even in offices that have the ceiling tiles there's special tiles that go where the lighting is and it's basically all these squares and they're all opened up and what you can do is you can get one of these uh, relatively cheap in fact and you can cut them relatively easy with uh, any type of wire cutters or a small saw or anything like that. And you can cut them to fit the top of your tank. Now, if the openings in the piece that you get are too big, then what you can do is you can actually attach either staple or glue or uh, somehow attach screen, uh, like window screening or anything like that, to the egg crate to prevent anything from getting through those cracks. Now, if you do this, it's important to note that you should not use bare metal screen. Uh, metal, salt water is extremely corrosive, 
and if you use anything besides a very well protected metal screen or preferably what you'd want to use is a, a plastic material screen uh, you can actually put that over there it'll keep uh, it'll keep it open enough to allow proper gas exchange and it'll keep it closed enough to keep stuff from jumping out of the tank so again I do not recommend the use of any type of solid lid uh, over the tank now make sure you differentiate I know earlier I mentioned that you should always use a, a solid glass like a plexiglass or acrylic cover over your lights um, like in this case this person's talking about a light strip and replacing that strip with one that has legs so you know if you have a canopy that's real low you want to make sure that you keep enough room between the surface of the water and say the back of the tank where you can get a proper amount of airflow in there it is important to make sure that your tank receives a good place to do um, gas exchange and to reoxygenate the water. Uh, as I mentioned in past shows, you don't use any type of air stone or anything like that because it'll it'll over oxygenate the water. So, um, doing it at the at using surface gas exchange or water movement gas exchange, what'll happen is it'll actually help get you to pretty much the right amount of, of oxygen in the tank that you need and it won't allow it to become super saturated. So um, I hope that that uh, helps everybody out. Uh, like I said, that question wasn't specifically directed towards the podcast and I, I picked it up somewhere, but I thought it was a real good uh, quick little topic to talk about. So I hope somebody, you know, some people get some information out of that. And uh, we're reaching about the 25-26 minute mark, so I'm probably going to wrap the show up. And I just want to thank everybody for joining me for another Talking Reef podcast episode. Uh, make sure if you have any questions, uh, send them in. Join the discussion forums. Again, the voicemail is open, so I have received absolutely no voicemails. If you even have comments or anything uh, that you would like played on the air, then just call up the voicemail number. That's 586-486-3357. And just leave me a message. If you're listening to this on a MP3 player, driving in the car, pick up your cell phone. Give me a call. Let me know what you think of the show. And uh, if you want me to play it on the air, let me know and I'll put it on the air. Uh, don't worry. Uh, I'll edit out any personal information if you want. Um, if you have a website where you have you know, pictures of your aquarium or anything like that and you want to mention that in the audio uh, by all means throw that in there and I can put that right on the show for everybody to hear uh, so that's probably about it for this show uh, I do have some exciting things coming I'm working on some interviews for everybody to hear uh, sounds like they're, they're we're getting pretty close to finalizing the details on those so for people interested in that um, I'm getting there just got a little bit more left to do if there's anybody listening to the show that is extremely knowledgeable in any specific areas or uh, just in general and you'd like to uh, come on the show for an interview or if you'd like to come on the show to discuss anything at all, uh, I do have uh, the final pieces. I finally made the, made the purchase and got the rest of the stuff that I need. And basically, we can do interviews very easily. Uh, you... Uh, on the other end wouldn't need anything other than your telephone whether it's a cell phone or a home phone or anything like that and I can take care of the rest so as I mentioned at the beginning of the show the next episode uh, should actually be out sooner than 
the normal shows. Normal shows, uh, I'm sure as most of you have realized by now, are released on Thursdays. Uh, but what I'm do hoping to do is uh, get Matt, get back with Matt, and we'll record the second episode of the filtration series. This one's going to be about biofiltration, and we're probably going to record it in the next couple days. And what I'm hoping to do is get that out early next week, uh, very soon, because I know I told everybody that that was going to be what this show was going to be about, but like I mentioned, that we couldn't pull that off. So I'm going to try to get that out. I don't know if that's going to be the only episode next week. Uh, it may be, depending on how scheduling stuff goes and, and other stuff, but um, you will have for sure uh, one one episode next week, possibly two. So uh, that's going to be about it. I'm going to wrap it up. Send your questions and comments in. I love getting them. I got a good amount this week. Uh, I hope I get uh, even more for the future. So have a good night, and I will talk to you later. Bye.